You're listening to RevOps FM with Justin Norris. Welcome to RevOps FM, everyone. Today, I am joined by Jessica Cow, Senior Director of Marketing Ops and MarTech at Cloudflare. Jessica actually earned her PhD in cancer biology from Stanford, started her career as an in-house marketer and marketing ops pro before spending five years in consulting at DigitalPy. And then she returned in-house to lead MOPS teams for enterprise companies like F5 and Cloudflare. And Jessica, one observation I'll make since we've floated around in a lot of the same circles over the past 10 years is I've always been impressed by your ability to communicate your knowledge, build a platform. You know, you were always someone who spoke at conferences like Marketo Summit and most recently at Mopsapalooza actually did a whole session on communicating to the C-suite which consistently, you know, I was looking on LinkedIn, everybody who attended that session seemed to be blown away. And communication is an area where I think many operators from a tech background often struggle. So really glad you could come on today and we're going to talk about, you know, building MOPS teams, roadmapping, communication, and a whole bunch more. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an important topic. It's a topic I'm super passionate about. So I'm happy to be here and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about communication. Awesome. So why don't we just start off you know, as somebody who, who runs Mops teams, I often just like to ask the question about the mandate of marketing ops generally, because it can kind of be a bit nebulous around the edges. How do you think about the primary mission of your team? Well, I actually have a mission and vision statement for my team, and I don't know what it is off the top of my head exactly. But really, we are the accelerant to all of marketing. And if you think about anything that happens within marketing that goes out, especially the demand gen, the go-to-market, most, not all, most everything will flow through our marketing operations and technology pipes, right? If you think about it, what doesn't? Not a whole lot doesn't throw through, flow through our pipes. And so it's, we are the pipes and all of the data, all of the execution, all of the operation flows through it. So we see all. So we are in a very unique place to be able to connect the dots between different parts of marketing. But also marketing operations, as I said, at Mopsapalooza and other in general, my vision and philosophy is you want the CMO to come to marketing operations and marketing technology when they have a problem that they're trying to solve for. A lot of the challenges, we can really help out. We are in a unique position to be able to solve these challenges and to accelerate what marketing does. I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of today's episode, Knack. You know, I love marketing automation software, but let's be honest, the email and landing page builders are usually terrible. You can't make it nice without a developer and marketers are going to find a way to break things or go off brand. You do not have time for that. So Knack is totally different. You set the guidelines and then give your users a building experience that's slick, modern, and beautiful. When they're done, everything goes to your map at the push of a button. And don't worry, it supports global teams, approval workflows. It's got your integrations. So head on over to revops.fm forward slash NAC. That's K-N-A-K. And get a special offer just for my listeners. So you talk about acceleration. And from that point of view, how do you evaluate if you're doing a good job, if your team is doing a good job, is it ultimately boiled down to the success of the marketing team in achieving their objectives? Or do you have a separate North Star set of North Star KPIs that you look at as a marketing ops leader? I mean, our KPIs, right? I mean, indirectly, right? I think there's two parts into that question, which is how do I know that we're winning? 
And what are the KPIs that I align my team to? Well, how do I know that we're winning? You're winning when the CMO views you as a strategic right-hand partner. You're winning when you are a bullet point in the board slide deck. That's how you know that you're winning. These are, these are different than the KPIs that we dock our roadmap and the things that we do. Those are two actually very separate things, right? Because there's only so much we do. You can have the perfect marketing technology systems, the perfect marketing technology architecture, but we have pipeline goals. Those are marketing KPIs that everything that we are doing are aligned to the CMOs yearly initiatives, right? Like, so a lot of times, one, one of the, actually the key points that I made during the session that I gave at Mopsapalooza about translating geek speak to C-suite is, does everyone on the marketing ops team know how they, what they're doing on an everyday basis ladders up to the key priorities of the CMO? But first, in order to do that, you have to know, does everybody on the team know what the key priorities are, right? Like usually there's a themes for FY24, you know, some companies is like, okay, we're going to supercharge demand gen, or we're going after uh, the healthcare vertical, or whatever the priorities of the CMO are. Ultimately, everything is pretty much docked to coming from a B2B SaaS company. It's how are we driving more BDR meetings, SDR meetings, which is ultimately going to go to pipeline, right? Like how are we bringing more high quality leads? How are we servicing more higher quality leads to the BDR so that they can create pipeline and they can create all of those things? Everything that we do is docked into the priorities, right? Like, so how do we maximize the utilization of our technology stack? At the end of the day, there are things that are outside our control. Winning is just a different thing than the KPIs that were gold and measured on. Two elements to that, if I unpack it then. There's the success at the KPI and functional level. And what I'm hearing from you to some degree, tell me if you agree with this, is you know marketing ops can't really be succeeding if ultimately the marketing team is not succeeding. The business output that the team is trying to reach. It's one team and one goal, it sounds like to me, because if what you're doing is laddering up to those goals, ultimately marketing has to achieve their goals as well for marketing ops to be considered successful in that way. Do you align with that point of view? Right. And then I think there's two ways that in general people interpret it. It's like, oh, you know, well, we don't technically run the demand gen programs, right? They have a demand gen strategy. We're here just to execute it. But actually, I would challenge everyone to flip it the other way around, which is we can bring clarity. We know what is best practices or a better way to, let's say, you know, you're hosting a webinar and you want to understand, like, did we do the right, did we do a good job of targeting the right people? Demand Gen will have their strategy, but we actually have the privilege and the power and the responsibility to provide clarity, to provide clarity on like, hey, because all webinars run through our fingertips, we have a very unique position to be able to highlight and provide clarity on trends. We have the ability to analyze, like, let's say, the 300 webinars that we're doing and to spot the trends that nobody else can. And so just because, like, yeah, do we own webinar strategy? No. Do we, are we the ones that are finding the speakers and doing, buying the list and doing the target audiences and doing the partnerships? No. And I think people stop there. It's like, well, I put out the webinar. Hey, I programmed it. I put it on the platform. But there is so much more opportunity to be viewed as a strategic partner. It's not even going the extra mile. It's like, hey, we have the opportunity. You just got to take the steps forward to just go and analyze. We are sitting on mounds of data that nobody else has. We can analyze all 400 of those webinars and realize, 
we see a trend that says when you do webinars that kind of look like this and you're targeting these people, you're not getting a right engagement. But when we do this and we really showcase making this up, right? Troubleshooting on these widgets, then we really get engagement and we see a really high percentage of people, well, et cetera, like finding engagement, whatever that is, or a really high percentage of people attending on demand. These are the people who end up being really engaged with the BDRs when they reach out. No one else can really do that analysis except for marketing operations. So I challenge you know your listeners out there to really what can you do that you're not doing now that you're sitting on this all this opportunity? What clarity can you provide to marketing leadership? And that's how you become strategic. That's how you get out of the cycle of being back office cost center to really providing business value. I think it's a mindset of, of ownership. So I like to think of it. And it's what sets apart a really strong tactical team who can execute efficiently, who's very competent, who knows their systems, but who still says, tell me what to do from a team that's really perceived as that strategic partner. It's a kind of overused term, but it really is what it is. And in some ways that ties in then to the other half of what you said in terms of what winning looks like. Appearing as a bullet in the board slide, having the CMO feel like you're the person that she or he can turn to. I think that's hard for a lot of people because it feels self-promotional. It feels even a little political to aspire to that. And MOPS people can be very self-effacing and sort of, I'll just be here with my tools in the background if you need me. And you don't shy away from that. Is that second nature to you? Or is that just something you've had to train yourself to do? Where does that come from for you? It's a skill set. As I've come up in my career, as many of you have been on this journey with me and seen me actually go up in my career, it's these really important skill sets where it's the next milestone, the next like acceleration leap is the ability to be able to translate what we do into something that provides business impact. I'm a mops person and a data nerd at heart, which I'm sure many of you know. It's not a, a bragging, like, look at what we can do. We want to solve all your problems. That is the byproduct of doing all the things that well, I just talked about. It's We're bringing clarity on like, this is what's actually happening. It's coming from a place of humility and providing clarity and insight. It's a mindset, but it's also a very different approach. What we do our work every day is ticketed. And it's very easy to get, kind of get into this habit of like, okay, how's productivity measured? Oh, did we complete the 100 requests that came in? That's not winning at all. What it is, is is about prioritization and doing the right things and providing clarity around what those right things are, because they're not going to know. And so a lot of times I challenge my team as well as, you know, in coaching and mentoring others is, have we done our job to provide clarity what the priority is and what the cost of doing that instead of this? We have some work to go do before we put it back on our stakeholders, right? We still have that responsibility to provide the clarity. Prioritization is a constant theme for me in these discussions about what makes ops truly effective. Is that something that roadmapping process, yearly cycle, quarterly cycle, monthly cycle, what is the right cadence from your point of view? Agile. Thinking about marketing operations and marketing technology like a product. So I have a product manager. We think of what we do as capabilities. We do quarterly releases, monthly releases. The goal is prioritization of leads for the BDR so they can know which leads to focus on first. That is a capability that we launch and release. How are we going to do that? Yeah, of course, we're going to do that by, you know, standing up, standing up lead scoring or whatever, you know, whatever architectural thing that we're doing. So it first starts with think about 
how would you launch a product and how do you create a product? It's a mindset switch to think about that. And then it has to be planned. So we do quarterly capability planning. It's all agile, right? Because stuff changes all the time. So we do quarterly planning and then we do monthly sprint planning. And then we have our plan of what we're going to release each month. Two week sprints is too much for us. We kind of operate a lot more like IT, kind of like what I call IT like. So we do agile with monthly sprints. That's about the right fit for us. We have a backlog. We have an above the line, below the line capability backlog. So when someone wants to add something in, it's really that decisioning tree. Is this an easy no or maybe? And if it's one of those like, hey, this comes from the top, we have to go do it. Then we go right to the above the line, below the line. And that above the line, below the line is always published onto our wiki or at other companies. We always had a slide deck or a SharePoint site or something so that people always knew. So when we do get those requests and the conversations, you know, this sounds really easy, but like just, it has been like a three-year journey across multiple companies for myself to get down to a system like this. Typically, I've been in organizations where I come in brand new and we're at about 80 to 90% ad hoc, 10% roadmap. Then I have goals around, we want to right size that. So then the next level is making this up. This year, we want to get to 50% roadmap, 50% ad hoc. Next year, we want to get to 80% roadmap, 20% ad hoc. Those are our internal operational goals. So then we track those. We track, you can call them story points, you can call them tracking hours, whatever it is. And we actually track those pretty closely. And I think that actually comes from my background of being a consultant. Fortuitously, the skill set that you kind of gain unintentionally along the way is to be able to scope projects by hours because you spent so many years tracking your 15-minute increments of your time, you kind of have a really a good gut feeling of how long something takes. A skill set that I didn't really know that would come in so handy now, but it really comes in very, very handy at my level and beyond. And that's, I think, really differentiated um, what you can do. So for all of those folks that are out there that are consultants, ex-consultants wanting to go back in-house, it's actually one of your superpowers that you would be surprised how incredibly useful it is because you can actually scope really well how long something is going to take. And then the other thing about prioritization, and this is something like a skill set that takes time to change, which is some leader or someone will be asked, hey, how long does it take to do X? And you're like, oh my God, it'll take like, you know, a year. And we gotta switch our mindset because we are mops people and we are pretty much tend to lean on the perfectionist side or the complete side. Like, oh, we gotta get it perfect. And constantly said she's like, oh yeah, it would take a year. You just kind of like, okay, just kind of give up. I'm gonna go find a different way, right? They don't want to really involve you. But what you really want is you want them to involve you. They really want them to be your stakeholders to be partners. And so really thinking about it's like, what's MVP look like? How can we communicate? Like there's a crawl, walk, run, but let's just talk about crawling. Crawling is winning. It's binary. Did you, were you able to launch a new capability that we didn't have before? Yes. Yes. And we're winning. That's a thing that happens a lot. It's a constant uphill battle to struggle, to prove resources, headcount, budget. But look at the way that we're talking. Could we say, yes, and we can get to 20% by next month, 40% by the next quarter, 100% by the following year. We're literally saying the exact same thing. Then people are going to be more willing to view mops as problem solvers than blockers. That's powerful because the shift for me and what you're describing is like the continuous delivery of incremental value as opposed to the pursuit of a massive launch that's perfect. One of the things I've noticed, especially, you know, I work in a smaller company than you and I've worked in a lot of startups, perfection is an unobtainable and forever elusive goal, and you'll torment yourself just trying to 
achieve that versus what can we do today and what's needed most right now. So from that point of view of like prioritization and that, or like that above the line, below the line framing that you talked about, what's the methodology, if any, that you use to determine what really should be prioritized? It's strategy and futuristic vision of where we need to go. Like I know where we need to go in one, two, and three years. And that's my guiding North Star. I carry a internal roadmap and an externally facing roadmap. What that means is the externally facing roadmap is quick wins. It is not necessarily tied to level of effort, but I have several sayings that I try to coach my team on. And one of the ones is, if you don't have an opinion, they will make one for you. So if you don't have a roadmap and a vision of where you need to go and why, then you are going to succumb to all of the tennis balls from all of your stakeholders telling you what you should do. One of my mentors said to me, you have to get buy-in from your boss and their peers on your roadmap. And I'm like, what? This is my MarTech roadmap. Why? Why? Like, why? Like, they don't know anything about MOFs and MarTech. Like, why do they need to buy in? And then I'm like, oh, that's because if they're bought in on your roadmap, then that's the alignment to get you the air cover that you need. Where do you think all those requests are coming from? These peers. And so when you need the air cover to be like, I'm trying to do this over here. You're asking me to do this over here. What do I do? No, then you're already aligned at the top. And then all it is is a simple conversation around, this is what we're trying to do. Can you help us align your team? Great. We'll come and visit you on your team meetings and meet with y'all to make sure y'all align. Done and done, right? Because it, it negates the oh my God, the ground level of like, oh, well, these we were getting pulled in a hundred different directions. So that's why you have to have an opinion. But your opinion isn't these features we're going to do, right? Like, hey, we're going to go integrate this ABM tool. Hey, we're going to go integrate this new AI tool, right? You have to translate that to stakeholder speak. What are, capabilities are we going to lock for you by doing this? So then how do I create my roadmap? So I have an external roadmap. Every quarter, I got to be producing something. And, and actually, I want to be producing multiple things a quarter. Shiny objects. That to you and me is table stakes, campaign structure hierarchy. Like, come on. But what does that do? That allows us to have visibility and to be able to differentiate X event by Y event. Is anyone going to disagree with that? No, no one's going to disagree with that. Is that a win? Heck yeah, that's a win. Was it very hard? We don't have to tell them that. <laughs> I keep an external set of roadmap. If you hear from my team every quarter, these are the five wins that we had every quarter. Different teams are getting their needs met every single quarter. That's awesome. What about the stuff, the non-sexy plumbing stuff? I keep an internal roadmap because what that does is an external roadmap buys me the time to do the internal roadmap. Have you ever done consent, opt-in, compliance, checkboxes, backend plumbing? That stuff is not sexy. That stuff takes a long time to untangle and to go set and go meet with legal and deal with lawyers and all that kind of stuff, right? Those are usually like 9, 12, 15-month projects. When I release whatever capability in nine months, in 12 months, and this is you know, what I did at my last company, we never talked about it until we were about to release something. Like we are decreasing loss of consent. What I call, I made this up, like leaky consent capture. Doesn't that sound pretty good? We were accurately capturing it. We weren't consent loss. We improved consent loss by 80%. Doesn't that sound good? I'll plug the talk on Mopsapalooza where I was speaking with my old manager who's now a CMO. Basically, the intent of it was you can go into his brain and actually understand what he's thinking. But what do I do want to know? How are the markers going to feel it? That's another kind of saying. And this is what I keep 
reminding my teams, how are our stakeholders going to feel it? And so I want to be cautious. Like if I talk about, hey, we're going to release, you know, we're working on consent, right? Like how, how annoying is it when you have to like, working on rebuilding that nurture architecture, we're still going, right? It's just like, come on, you keep saying that. You want to make sure that you're delivering. So that's the quick wins deliverable roadmap versus the plumbing architecture, non-sexy stuff. If you keep them both going, you can basically time out. I throw enough shiny objects to buy me the 15 months time that I need to like do stuff, right? And it was really, really fascinating and interesting to hear in talking to you know, my, like my mentor, right? Cause we're mops people. The roadmap isn't broken and I got to go fix it. And here's, it was really interesting. Cause he's like, I can't go, I can't go to the CEO and get budget and say, Hey, it's broken. Go fix it. Right. Like, cause it's going to be broken forever, but also like, it's going to be broken. Like how many times have you gone into a company as a mops? I'm like, Oh my God, everything's broken. Everything's broken. Everything's broken. We got to go fix everything. Yes. That may be true. And believe me, I am like, yes, everything's broken. We got to go fix it all. Yes, that may be true, but your CMO can't go get money for that. What he can go get money for is, hey, we're going to increase media productivity. Hey, we're going to get better quality leads so that our conversion rates go up. It's essentially the same thing. The things that we're doing, so you got to change that language because he's like, I can go get you money for that. I can't get you money. I can maybe go get you money one time, one time to go blow, blow up, you know, like as a consultant, right? How many migrations have you done? But also, how many migrations have you done where like, it's just user error <laughs> or like it's lack of strategy or it's processing the people and like where you are as a company. The tool's a tool. There's lots of tools that can do the job. Some tools are better than others. But aside from those very rare things where you're like moving an instance, migrating an instance, blowing stuff up, we got to focus on like, what's the business outcome? And most of in marketing is all tied to revenue and pipeline. So you just got to do some back of the envelope calculations. How much conversion is this going to increase? What percentage of quality leads? And it's a total swag. By the time you've done it enough times, like you basically can gut feel what this feels like. And that's a really valuable skill to have. I love the passion and the point of view that you have on this. And do you find that you are taking a set of technical objectives that you know are right for the business and then translating those upwards to the C-suite? Or do you find, or decision makers, let's say, in the business side, or do you find that you're taking a set of business priorities, bringing them down, translating them into technical objectives, and then retelling that story upwards? Where's the initiating point? Or is it a mixture of both ways? All day long, bi-directional. I'm an architect at heart. I see architecture of systems in my brain. I'm sure lots of us nerd out like that. But I know what a best practices architecture looks like. And it's pretty much, I mean, it's generally the following the same principles. It needs to be scalable. It needs to be global. It needs to have a fewest amounts of um, failure points. You know, this is the common thing. That is my North Star principle as a MOPS and a MOPS architect. Carries with me the same wherever company I go to. And I think that comes from my consulting background. It goes back to what is the CMO's key themes? Because that's what he's promised the board. That's what he's promised his boss, what they are. It's your standard tops down and bottoms up approach and you got to meet in the middle. This is where we're at. This is what the key um, priorities are, right? Like we're a big Adobe tech stack. Okay, where is it at? This is what we got to do. And it's a blending of where we're going to meet in the middle and translating back down. Because I still have to translate back down to my team. I still have to direct my team 
on where their priorities are. And like, it's not that the priorities change every day, but it is agile. It's, we got to move this up. We're going to move up our XYZ feature. This is bubbled up in Q1. We thought it was Q2. It's going to be in Q1 based on this conversation. My job as a marketing operations leader is to literally be that translate up and down. I'm sitting in some meeting. Oh, I hear the words. and like, oh, I can project where they want to go. And it goes back down to my team into a technical and tactical way. Assess, audit wherever we are, bubble it and translate it back up to executive leadership to provide clarity on where we're at. This is the tech debt that we have. This is how we're going to solve for it. I need this much money if you want it in this time frame. My job is just to provide clarity, translating both ways. That's really my job. And that's how marketing operations becomes that strategic partner. When my other mentors used to say, like, we're doing strategy, whatever that means, <laughs> right? You know, that's the crazy thing about being a marketing ops leader. And I'm not sure who else in marketing or even in the business has to deal with this, but like you have to collaborate with the CMO to some degree on strategy, have input there, ideally. You need to then do the translation that you just mentioned on a technical level. You need to be an expert project manager and scoper. And then you need to break that down for your team of whatever size and help them envision where they need to go. And that's a pretty deep stack of abilities and talents that you need to always have switched on all the time. And I think you did a really nice job just hitting all of the highlights of the key skill sets that you need. Every leader isn't going to have all those skill sets. That's the inventory of skill sets that you need to have on your team. So then you got to figure out which ones you have and then which you got to go hire into to build that team. So that's why I have a product manager on my team who can help me keep the things running. I myself can do a lot of the scoping because of my consulting background, right? I can feel about how many hours this is going to take or what skill sets we need or, you know, scope, like this is in scope, out of scope, scope creep, all of those things. Like if you've been a consultant, you've had that, but you need those skill sets as a leader so you can direct the team to where they need to go. I'm a big fan of Clifton Strengths, that profile. And so mine is strategic and futuristic, which is having that one to three year plan, having that vision and being strategic. So I'm constantly in there like, moving everything around like Tetris in my head. I am a terrible project manager. Absolutely awful. <laughs> everything lives in my head. So I need someone to extract it out of my brain. So I hire other people who can do that. So you say literally in your head, but do you have a whiteboard? Do you have a chart somewhere, a diagram? Like, or is it really this one to three year vision? Like, do you document it in any way? Yes, it is in my head. And my product manager pulls it out of me and he makes it. <laughs> at a smaller company, when I when you don't have the luxury of having that, then it should absolutely be documented. And I don't know if it was just at one of my companies a term, but we have this term called a walking deck. When I come into a new company, I have a library of my walking decks that I need to go make. So there's my library of things I need to go pull. For example, what is the three-year roadmap? What is my quarterly? What is my yearly plan? And this is going to hold true for whatever level you are, actually. So you might as well start learning this now because it'll take you 10 years to go polish the skill set. You have to present what you're doing. You don't have to have a director title, a VP title to be strategic. But like, I always have a walking deck. Instead of saying like, Jess, what's your one-year plan? Hey, what are we delivering next month? Hey, what are we delivering this quarter? Oh, what are your wins? Think about it for even if an individual. Think about how many meetings you have with your stakeholders. I want to do this. No, here's my plan. I start with what's the library of decks that I need to have. I try to have like my yearly vision plan deck, my quarterly planning deck. What are the wins? 
quarter? What are we planning to do next quarter, right? Look back, look forward. What about for like a brag blog when you want to talk about annual reviews? What about promotions? You got to go present at an all-hands or at an off-site. Those are all the same decks if you think about it. Change in mindset, flip it around. It's less work, right? Because you don't have to go make five different decks. And you're always ready. To hear you talk about these things, A, the way that you communicate yourself around it. There's a confidence there. There's a charisma there. Is that something that that's just how you communicate? Or have you had to make yourself develop that? Because I had to push myself to do that. I'm comfortable like deep in the guts of the machine, like putting wires, switching them around, banging things with a hammer. To be able to come up, talk about something that's a shiny object that is useful to people, but it's like, oh, I know it only takes X minutes. We don't consider it a big deal. And managing that translation into your brain constantly around how other people are going to perceive things and how you perceive them and just having that form of self-expression. How have you managed to cultivate that? I think that's a fantastic question. I'll split those into two parts. There is, I love presenting. I have been an oral presentation consultant when I was in grad school. I went through a course where it was actually teaching oral presentation. So it's just something that I'm passionate about. I'm in the minority of the people where public speaking is a phobia that's actually higher than fear of death. (laughs) So there's that piece. But that's completely separate than things like imposter syndrome. And I think those are two very separate things. All these things that I've talked about are basically learned through experience. A lot of experience and a lot of mistakes, a lot of trying and trial and error. And this is where it's about the community that you're a part of, this community that you're fostering. It's about the really amazing tight-knit marketing operations community that you and I have been a part of that we help each other out. How many times have I said, well, my mentor taught me this and my mentor taught me that. Every company has a board of directors. They're there to give guidance, hold accountability, and to give advice outside perspective. And that is no different in your career. So the same philosophy of you really need to build a board of directors for you and your career. Getting a mentor is good. CMOs go take classes. You don't just all of a sudden wake up and like, oh, I'm so knowledgeable about that X, Y, and Z. Just like anything else, it's a continual learning and growing opportunity. It's being very thoughtful about building a set of mentors for you. It's a mentor that's going to champion for you and who you are in your career and challenge you to think differently, right? Like one of my mentors said, like, when you're interviewing for the job, what is your next, next job going to be? I'm like, well, I don't understand. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, like, in the next couple of weeks. If you're asking me what my next, next job is, if you know what your next, next job is going to be, then you can identify what's the skill set that you got to pick up along the way to get you there. So then that will inform you what your next job is. And then he walked me through like different scenarios, right? And this was when I was coming out of consulting and back to in-house. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, And so your set of mentors is going to challenge you to think differently, right? Like a mentor isn't just here. It's like, hey, let me give you advice. Let me tell you how I did it. So you can hear a bunch of different stories. Because that's typically what happens, right? Justin, I want to hear about how you were successful. And then you'll go and talk to them. They'll come and talk to me. And like, hey, I want to hear just how you were successful. And we're trying to collect stories to data points. Well, if I collect red, orange, yellow, blue, green, then I can like figure out what my choices are. I'm like, actually, let's flip that on its head. You want to find mentors that are going to challenge who you are and to help you grow and give you exactly what you need. 
and being intentional about creating that board of directors. And your board of director mentors are going to change as your career grows. You're going to add some, you're going to drop some, some of them will stay with you. Some of them are going to be the right mentor at that time, the right person during the right season. There's always a season and it's constantly evolving and changing, but that's one of the key things. And, and you know what? The experience is going to teach you a lot because you're not going to go there knowing everything. And I remember, you know, in the Marketo Fearless 50, we got mentorship and stuff like that, right? Like, and I was, was like, how do you get executive experience? How do you get the skill to become like an executive presence? And like, how do I be more strategic like an executive? <laughs> We've all been there. And I asked that question. And again, one of my mentors said, just kind of do it. And I'm like, what do you mean you just kind of do it? I don't know how to do it. Three years later, I was like, oh, I understand. You just kind of do it. You just figure it out. Okay. All right. Now I understand. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because I want to tell you, you just kind of do it and you're going to listen and look at me like, I don't understand what you're saying. So you just kind of do it because that is a byproduct. And I use the same analogy. I live in the Bay Area, Half Moon Bay. They have a pumpkin festival, right? Like whoever grows the biggest pumpkin. So if you're a pumpkin farmer and you're trying to grow the biggest pumpkin, are you staring at the pumpkin and trying to will it to grow bigger? No, you're not trying to do that. Data points. You're trying to like make sure the soil has the right amount of nutrients. You're trying to make sure it has the right sunlight. You're trying to make sure it has the right water, whatever to make a pumpkin grow bigger. I'm not a farmer and I don't have a green thumb. I killed all my tomato plants, so please don't ask me to grow anything. But you're not trying to will it to grow bigger. You're trying to do all the things. The byproduct is for it to grow bigger. So how do you get executive presence and strategy of doing all the things that I just talked about? And it will come. Do you, with the experience you've had, the frameworks you've developed, the methodology, you know, someone listening to this be like, all right, Jess, she's got to figure it out. And if she went and started at a new company tomorrow, she comes in, she's got her walking deck, she's got her system, like she's on lock. Do you still feel imposter syndrome going into a new, you know, first day on the job at Cloudflare? Do you feel that? Or does it dissipate with the frameworks and the experiences that you've developed? Think about anything. If you've done something five, six, seven times, it always gets easier, right? I'm a yoga teacher. I try to remind myself, if I go and take a orange theory class, <laughs> you're back to beginner. So great. As what I do and the things that I've done five, six, seven, eight, nine times, yeah, I feel pretty good. Guess what? The next level, ooh, oh no, how to run a cross company wide initiative or whatever the new thing is. We're always going to encounter new things. We're always going to be a beginner at something. The time duration of like the freak out period gets shorter. I don't have all the answers today. I got friends. I got this amazing network of people. I'll go call y'all up and be like, I've never done this before. Can someone help me? Of course. I think you were the one that gave me the Wakato ticket, the free ticket to Wakato. I don't know anything about that. Thank you so much. I went to the conference and I learned all kinds of new things, things that were completely over my head. If I had to go dive deeper to build a roadmap, do I know how to do it today? Do I know who to go call? I'm going to call you and be like, hey, who can you point me in touch with that it can help me learn this? What it does is it teaches you how to learn. And do I still get freaked out about stuff? It's like, deep breath, deep breath. Emotional regulation is one of the top skills that you're going to need to have as a leader. Deep breath. Do I know how to figure it out? Yeah, I know how to figure this out. I know who to go call. I know who to get people to go introduce me to people. I don't have any problems asking the dumb questions. I'm like, hi, I don't know anything about this. Can you help me and explain to me like how this works? I'm taking on web ops and ad operations now. 
that's new. First time. I'll figure it out. Because I have this amazing community. So thank you. It's a beautiful place to end it. Jess, you're amazing. I love hearing about this. I want to chat more in the future, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I hope I have changed one life today, and that's success. Speak again soon. Hey, everyone. I want to invite you over to the RevOps FM Substack community, where you can sign up to get rough transcripts, show notes, longer form articles, and other bonus content. Just head over to revops.fm slash subscribe to get free access. I'd also love to know what you thought of the episode and to hear suggestions for topics you want to learn about. Feel free to leave a comment on Substack or send me an email at justin at revops.fm. Thanks for listening.